Welcome to the Guys Drinking Tea Podcast. If that sounds like a casual conversation to you, then you're absolutely right. We decided to start this podcast because, frankly, we just love talking about the scriptures and exploring how they interact with our everyday lives. These are the kind of conversations we were having in the hallway anyway every week, so we decided to turn on a camera and a microphone and let you listen in. If this content's helpful to you, then we would greatly appreciate it if you leave us a review in your podcast service, hop over on YouTube, subscribe to us there, like, comment, share with friends, all of those things. Without any further ado, let's dive into another sometimes meandering conversation about the scriptures and life. Well, welcome everybody. Hi everyone. We are live and I think we have audio and everything. If you're just tuning in, today we're gonna to be talking about anger. And I am angry that Aaron was, no, I was late. I literally walked into the room about seven seconds ago. He made me tea. Um, I'm just angry that it's the wrong kind of tea. No. Gosh. I don't do anger very well. I, 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 yeah, really we'll get bad to at that. Anger. The, yeah, yeah. We're going to be talking about anger. Is it good? Is it evil? Yeah. We're going to be talking about uh, the sermon. We're going to be talking about all sorts of nonsense today. Uh, um, who knows what, what I don't else know. is yeah, in it? It's like I'm supposed to be doing these, like the beginning of the show, you kind of say what's coming. So like if people oh, are yeah, interested, you the problem is we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Nonsense coming. Our planning time for this was severely restricted by crazy busy schedules i just got to go have breakfast with a guy called jeff rodsky um and if you've never met jeff he is a character that you should just investigate online he runs this great charity joy international he's been walking around bare feet barefooted barefeeted uh sure. for for i think it's the last 10 years or something um so in the middle of winter uh we meeting at bagel deli and he strolls in barefooted uh barefooted and proud such a great uh, guy and and yet does this incredible work all over the world uh helping free people from sex trafficking all of these different uh, crazy things uh, that go on in this crazy world of ours uh, and so it's always incredible to have breakfast with someone like that and, and he's just like you know his life looks so different than yours he's like like where were you this week he's like oh, i'm in alaska tomorrow and i was in cambodia three days ago and i'm like can you even get from Cambodia to Alaska in three days? <laughs> so crazy. Um, yeah, it it has been a little bit busy. And so not that we prepare a ton for these shows anyway. But maybe more so than this. But maybe a little bit more yeah, yeah, yeah. than and You've this. got Easter coming up and we've got staff appreciation for those of you that are South people. Volunteer appreciation. Volunteer appreciation. Can we do a staff appreciation? We do a whole event where we just appreciate ourselves. <laughs> It's like the Oscars. <laughs> and then you just have to sit there and watch us talk about how awesome we think we are. In some ways, the Oscars are simply Hollywood <laughs> applauds itself. Um, <laughs> load of rich people sitting around saying how amazing they are and how they've contributed to the world. We're going to start doing that for staff. Yeah. Now, volunteer appreciation is this um, fun, chaotic event where we gather for an evening on Sunday uh, and we celebrate the fact that South is really like, it's volunteers are what make it thrive uh, it's not us as staff like we're a part of it but the volunteers definitely are special here um you absolutely. guys some of you that are listening you are special absolutely so, and yeah we're trying to we're trying to make it a special yeah event that will be singing potentially I, by me 
be afraid. Yeah. <laughs> if you wanted to know what anger felt like. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, come to that. So uh, when was the last time you were really angry? Oh, man. Oh, you told one story. Do you have another one? That's, that's a rough question to start with. Yeah, it, it's, it's a good, <laughs> but it's a very pointy question because it, it almost like pushes us straight away to the question of, well, what do you mean by angry? When was the last time like I exploded with rage? I actually don't remember. Like when Other was, than the story you told on yeah 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 and, and and i was pretty mad to be fair but I, uh, apple if you're watching this live stream what yeah apple, first of all what's the deal man Steve we're so we're such a big channel you really should pay. <laughs> <laughs> i tried to keep a straight face yeah, no. yeah. Uh, there's like zero people watching right now that's fine <laughs> the, the, they'll the, watch later the numbers will come in later um okay. yeah i i i was so mad at apple that is true um, but almost in this humorous kind of, it doesn't really matter way. I mean, without being um, cavalier about church funds, it wasn't even my iPad I was trying to get replaced. It was an iPad that I have for work. Um, like it didn't have quite the personal touch that maybe I implied. Like it wasn't like my thousand dollars, what's happened to it? Um, so, so I think I'm trying to think through like what makes me angry. Um and then, like, there's this this question of, like, the good anger versus the bad anger. So, again, like, sitting with Jeff this morning, Jeff runs this charity, and, and we actually talked about, like, what makes him good at what he does is his anger. Um, like, he is angry about the fact that there is this suffering going on, that there are these young girls and young boys who are trafficked off to different places um, that are that are being abused. And he's like, I am angry about that. So to him, like, and I was, I, I was all for it. Like he can be a little bit prickly when it comes to like talking to you about funding, talking to you about involvement, talking about, you know, he's like, what do I have to say to make you think this is valuable? Do I have to tell you some of these stories about things that I've heard about? Like, because the things that I carry with me, I am angry about them. So huh. you should be a part of fixing them too. And almost everyone I've known who runs a great charity, like when you talk to them, you're like, you actually think this is the only thing that matters, don't you? Like you, you, you like, like food banks to you are like, why? Um, like things that like, like Easter egg hunts for kids. Why? Like, why, why are you even doing church on Sunday? Like, this is the thing. Get involved in this fight. If you're not involved in this fight, you're wasting your time um and and it, it it's not it's not like they actually when you probe them think that everybody should think like that but that just is what makes it possible yeah for them to do of, what they do kind of the the gift or the calling sort of necessitates that level of intensity yeah so that starts to answer a question um, and we're diving right in yeah we are because we, yeah, yeah. we made comments about bad tea that i made for you again that I made for you. I mean, like, <laughs> Again. went out of my way, just, you know, skipped other meetings, and it's okay. It's we're, getting, we're getting it's to sadness this week. We yeah. can process your sadness. <laughs> no. um, but, yeah, so the one of the questions I was going to ask, but you're already starting to answer, is, is anger ever okay? Is it all, or is it always evil? Yeah, that, and that, that, like, that started to come out of that conversation with, with Jeff today, like as he started to articulate, 
no, this is my need and this is why, you can feel the anger building in you. Uh, you're like towards the situation. So you come away from a conversation with someone who's that passionate about something, say, yeah, no, I am angry about that. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm allowed to live in this world where I kind of pretend it's not happening most of the time. And, and I kind of operate in a world where like me trying to engage nice, comfortable, unchurched families with Jesus doesn't seem quite as pressing as, as his big thing. So you come away with that sense of like, no, I'm angry right now. Um, so that, that when you ask, when was the last time I was angry? Like two hours ago, sitting down to breakfast. Um, yeah. But then when, when was I angry for less noble reasons? And I think that's become a bit of a, like a, an evangelical, like pad answer. When we talk about anger, we're like, yeah, but Jesus was angry. Remember the temple thing? And you kind of like, yeah, that one time, um, well, speaking of which, we actually had a question about this two or three weeks ago when we were doing the show. I don't remember why it popped up in that particular show. I'd have to go back and watch. But one of our listeners actually asked, mm. well, what about, like, we, I think we were talking about the the graciousness of God and his willingness to sort of enter in and engage and all of this stuff that he's, he's, um, his, his anger towards sin is actually a sadness, mm -hmm. all this stuff like that. I think that was maybe the context of what we were talking about. And uh, someone reached out and said, well, wait a second. What about his anger in the temple and what's going on there? And why, yeah. why is that okay? And is it okay? And on and on and on. Yeah. So I don't, um, I'd have to go back and find the exact question. Well, I so, think it was maybe after Kevin's sermon, right? Because Kevin talked about like people, it was the week before, people actually, come but... to him and say, when he talks about shame, they're like, what about justice? What about like, you know, God wants you to stop sinning. God wants you. And he's like, okay, yeah, almost. That can be a bit of a straw man argument. You know, it's the same conversation that we have around grace. Well, you can't be too gracious. Um, God has standards. God has justice that he cares about. And, and that's true. But if that becomes like the reason that grace doesn't matter, then it's a bad argument because no, very clearly across Jesus language, across Paul's language, grace does matter. God is, is incredibly gracious. Yeah. Um, so what's your answer? What's going on with that situation? Oh, by the way, shout out. Brenna's watching us. She said she was just talking about Jeff Brodsky yesterday. No so, Hey, how's it going? Um, thanks for tuning in. And if you have questions, feel free to shoot them in there. I don't, we don't do the whole live engagement no, thing very well, we but no, no, no. so I had one chance. So like, way to go. Look at that. And you got it, Brandon. <laughs> um, so yeah, what's going on with Jesus and what is that anger and why is that okay? Um, versus so much, so many other expressions of anger that aren't. Yeah. And again, his anger is, it seems like linked there to injustice. It's linked to the world is broken. And his, his frustration comes out with people who are being mistreated. Um, the, the temple system is abusing people. It is taking advantage of those that are weakest. So, so it, it, is it anger? Yes, but it, it's almost like this defensive anger. It's almost like Jesus, with all of his strength, stands in front of those that are unable to defend themselves uh, and says, no, no, they have me on their side. Um there's almost this beautiful, it's almost like standing up to the bully type anger. Um, totally. Is that all? Is there, can you think of another moment in scripture 
where it's a different kind of anger? Or is it always that kind of from God? So, so it seems like to me, most of the time, the anger is around act contributing to a broken world and to a broken system. Sounds like you can think of a different example. Though. No, I'm, I'm genuinely asking. I'm, no, I'm, I, I... I'm calling my brain through different stories. I, I do think that there's multiple stories throughout the scriptures that sound like maybe they're um, a different kind of anger. Hmm. But I suspect if you study them closely, what's actually going on is what you're saying. And, it's and more think... of a defensive... Um, well, I think a great illustration to this could come right from your message on Sunday. You... So maybe we'll get to it in a moment because I want to I want to get to some stuff that you talked about on Sunday and ask you about this and like help like encourage you to like maybe reiterate some of this. Mm. You talked about um sort of the three approaches to anger. Like what do we do with our anger? Mm. When we so we get angry, what do we do with them? And yeah. you you talked about Walter Brueggemann. Um that's there's a little video that's floating around with the daily devotional and stuff of Walter mm -hmm. talking about imprecatory prayers and stuff. So can you reiterate that story about anger? Um, the siblings? three pathways. Yeah, sort yeah. of three pathways, yeah. Yeah, and again, like I think depending on your personality, you tend to one of two pathways. Um, so you tend to either be a venting person or you tend to be a stuff it down deep person. I'm going to control it by holding it within me. Um, and one seems really noble, and yet I'm not sure it's actually is helpful, maybe. So so by nature, like, yes, you can vent, you can you can blow off your anger. And, and the story that we talked about around that was Samson's story. We, we talked about how, you know, he, he vents his rage. His wife is given to another man. Uh, he thinks the marriage is sealed, and then suddenly he goes back and he's like, no, I gave it to your friend. Again, weird cultural difference for us. That doesn't happen today. I thought um, that was a really... If you didn't get a chance to listen to the sermon, I think you should go back and listen to it because I think that, that your whole treatment and, and telling of the Samson story... I guess I've read Samson's story many, many times. I didn't really maybe tune into the reality that maybe that story is is showing us what it looks like when anger just goes out yeah. of control and it's complicated because it's mixed with all this language of the spirit of the lord came upon samson like what does that mean like i mean is that... the spirit confirming this uh -huh, anger? yeah um or or is it like no the gifts of calling of god are without repentance he has these gifts it's like it's a it's against different language from a different day but definitely written within it for whatever reason the author comes back to i'm only doing to them what they did to me we're only doing to Samson what Samson did to us. And it goes back and forth. And the crazy part is you see that language in all over the world. Like there is a Russian narrative right now about Ukraine that is like somewhere this is justice. It doesn't have to be true. It's just in our belief. Like you look at like the Middle East area, constant back and forth. So you'll have a narrative that says, no, Israel, the land was theirs. And a whole group of people 
in Palestine would say, no, the land was ours. And a group of people in Israel said, no, but the land was ours first. And then a group of people would say, no, but the land was ours before that. And then the group of people in Israel would say, yeah, but God gave us that land. And, and a whole other group of people are like, can he even do that? Is that even allowed? Like, you're telling us your God gave you the land? Like, we're supposed to just go along with that? There's all of these things all over the world that are like time and time again build on this like this sense of revenge and anger that just vents and says, no, I'm going to deal with that. And and so like when you just stuff it deep inside, which is pathway two, it can feel like you've you've stopped it, except maybe you haven't because maybe you're just allowing yourself to build and it's it's building there. And eventually it will blow. It's not that you can hold it forever. It's not that you can not vent forever. It will come out somewhere at someone. But but in the meantime, you can almost convince yourself, no, no, I've, I've dealt with it. Um, yeah, and I think um, I'm a stuffer. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm the guy that like just says, yeah, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. And I, and I even put a, a better label on it. I'm not stuffing my anger. I'm, I'm showing grace towards mm, the offender. Yeah. And I'm just going to like ignore this issue. I'm going to extend them the benefit of the doubt. Mm. So like, it sounds really good when yeah, I stuff, yeah, yeah. but if you ask my loved ones, mm -hmm. um, and maybe if you're a stuffing, if you stuff your anger deep down, uh, you might think you're being successful at it. But if you ask your loved ones, they're like, oh no, you're terrible at that. Yeah, like it leaks out of you. Does. And interestingly, it oftentimes leaks out on someone that didn't defend you. Totally. Oh, wow. Like yeah, someone, yeah. So someone hurts you at work. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no. Let's say like someone makes a comment to you at work. I bet there's a ton of marriages out there that have suffered from this situation. Yeah. Uh, someone says something to you at work. It hurts you or you're angry at them. You stuff it down because you need an income and you don't want to like get mm -hmm. fired. You go home, that anger leaks out on your spouse, yeah. and you become a grouchy, bitter, some whatever kind of person, and it wrecks your marriage. Yeah. Because someone at work hurt you, you wreck your marriage. Yeah. Like, I think that that's a thing that, that's a story that happens all over the place. So and, stuffing is... And, and can simply be because the, the the other person has even less control over it than you do. Like, you can theoretically, you can get mad enough about the situation that you can step up and say, no... I'm not going to put up with this anymore. But in actual fact, like when you, uh, when you think of um, Christmas Carol, there's the moment like where Bob Cratchit, the, the famous poor clerk that works for the famous Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, he, he has this moment where he goes home on Christmas day uh, and he says to his wife over Christmas dinner, uh, let's have a toast to the founder of the feast, to Ebenezer Scrooge. And his wife's like, what? No way. Like, yeah. you know, that guy's a jerk. That guy's the guy that makes you miserable. The guy that makes you work too much, that doesn't pay us enough. We're in poverty because of this guy. And Bob's like, to the founder of the feast. Um, like, that, the rage is in his wife, not in him. But, ironically, if, you're, if you watch that play... Who has more power, like human power in that moment? Bob Cratchit or Ebenezer Scrooge? Yeah. Like everyone's rooting for Bob Cratchit Absolutely. in that moment. Because there's something about huh. like returning goodness for evil. 
yes. that makes you way more powerful than the offender. Yeah, that there's a humanity to that that's incredible, and and it and almost like a godlikeness to that that is incredible. Like when we are giving good for bad, who are we being like? Yeah, we're, um, yeah, absolutely. That yeah, mm. that so that that's so. There's the two. So one pathway you talked about, which is like lash out in mm -hmm. anger, which is Samson's story, and yeah. it's just like the. Actually, it's sort of the, it's a story of Samson. Mm -hmm. It's the story of the political system in many countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One party versus the other. They lash out. Well, they did it first. And yeah, then, yeah. oh, no, but I did it. And like, there's this political battle that's taking place all over the world in different countries in our country, um, people on different sides of the aisle and on and on and on. Or there's the stuff it down. And we've talked about how that's unsuccessful. What's the third? So the third is, is I think that avenue that says it allows you to approach the God of the universe and say, this is a thing that I'm holding. Um, are, are you willing to engage in that with me? Um, and, and usually finding that he is. Um, so it's, again, that's, that seems to be where these imprecatory Psalms come from. They come from a place of no, I need to vent. Um, when the writer of Psalm 137 verse nine says, happy are those who take your little ones and dash them against the rocks. Are we to believe that if he could see that happen, he would rejoice? Are we to believe that he would do that if he had an opportunity? Maybe, but but probably more likely this is him venting very real human emotion. And it's certainly not when it's there in the Bible, God's endorsement of that action, which is the danger. I mean, that I mean brings us into the whole like minefield of hermeneutics. Like, how do you take something like the Bible with however many different authors, 66 different books, uh, and say, this is God's word? N now, yes, but what do you mean by that? Like, that gets very complex because if you flip over to Job chapter whatever and, and you've got Job's three comforters, his friends that come alongside him in his trauma, Job goes through all this terrible stuff and they sit with him and then they tell him all these different things. And at the end of that... God says, oh, they've been, they've all spoken wrongly. So, so then you have to go back and read everything they said through the lens of this is wrong, not right. Totally. It's the so, word of God, but it's specifically not accurate. Yeah. So, which is why I would consider scripture reading advanced reading. Yes. Absolutely, because it's yeah. not supposed to be an easy answer in every, like no. you open a book, you read a story and you're like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to yeah, do yeah, in my yeah, life yeah. now. Yeah. No, it's actually supposed to haunt you maybe yes. and make you linger and make you meditate and make you question and, yeah, like, and wrestle and cry out to God, like, what is up with this? And all of these things. And then it's doing its job. But like, if, if you go to every story and say, I'm supposed to do what the protagonist in this story does. <laughs> you are in a grab your jawbone, baby. Yeah. We're going to war. <laughs> You're in a world of hurt. So, and I think we intuitively know that in some stories, but then there's other stories you're like, am I supposed to act like David right now? Yeah. And the Psalms is one of those places where the psalmist writes these majestic things and then suddenly these really terrifying things. You're like, mm -hmm. am I supposed to pray like that? Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it, and it's like you see those stories play out in everyday life where someone says something about like their desire for vengeance. They express some anger, and 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 you could see like someone listening and acting out on it for them, uh, and and the 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 other person finding out. I mean, like, dude, I was just mad. Like, I didn't mean it. I didn't. We use that language all the time. I didn't really mean it. I was mad at the time. I needed some space to vent. Um, 
and and it seems like God provides this safe space, safe space for us to vent. Mm-hmm. That the explosion there can't hurt anyone. Um, the 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 wrath there can't hurt anyone. God is able to take that, and He's able to just just to, to take it. Hey, just yeah. So you described it. You took a jawbone, which you, mm-hmm. by the way, buffalo you, jawbone, buffalo jawbone. Yeah. You just you got that on the internet. That, you can get anything on Amazon. It seems That's it was awesome. like yeah. Anyway, so bucks. you said take this jawbone, which is a representation of lashing out in anger, uh-huh. and you said you give it to God. Well, so, so that's you, the prayer. That's the that's the imprecatory prayer. That's the angry prayer. Well, so, so to me, the honesty part comes first. Like the the first part is honesty. Mm. That's the prayer. That's the yelling. That's the shouting. And and I think like there's almost this moment it seems where we've yelled and we've shouted a lot. And and it and it seems like God says something like almost like, Are you done now? Like I've listened. You know, I've, he he says that very thing to Job. He's like, you know, have you finished? Uh, and then slowly, whether through his direct conversation, through our just release of emotions, there's maybe the possibility of some humility. Like maybe there's that moment where you're like, okay, maybe I don't know completely. Like maybe I don't know the history of this person that hurt me and just how screwed up they are by family situation, by shame-based culture that, that, that Kevin talked through the other week. Like maybe Ebenezer Scrooge, had some stuff done to him that I don't know about. Which you start to even see in yeah, the play, Yeah, you start right? to like pick out some of his bad story, like some of his like heartbreak, some of how he was treated as a kid, all of those different things. Um, somewhere that like starts to just like say, huh, okay, maybe I, I am not the best person to judge. Because yeah. I think that's where God leads us. Like, no, no, I am the one that can judge completely. Vengeance is mine. Yeah. Justice is mine. Will it will it come? Yes. Will it come when you want it to? Will it look like you want it to? Maybe not, but it will happen. And well, that... and, and God's got God's the only one that has the wisdom to weigh those what's actually justice. Because if like imagine the complexity of actually reaching perfect justice in every situation. Because mm-hmm. if God's factoring in, oh, you know, I want you to destroy my enemy. Yeah. And then God hears that enemy saying, I want you to destroy the one that wounded me Mm -hmm. because I'm only lashing out at so-and-so because I was wounded. Yeah. And so destroy them. And then God hears the cry of that one that says, no, I was wounded by my parent who said Uh such and such to me, or I was abused. And then God hears the cries of the broken world. And then he he he's able to actually factor that in. And so like, um, I love this idea, like the age old philosophical problem of evil, right? We, we say, well, what if God is good and perfectly good, all knowing and loving, how can evil exist in the world? Well, okay. All right. So if you want God to deal with evil in the world, what if he starts with you? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, well, no, no, no. I want him to start with other people. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but but that's not how justice and there's works. That, there's that complexity, right? Like, you, like a, a visual that I quite often come back to when I'm looking for this complexity is I'll look at like um, it, it, debt in the world. Like, there's all these. You, you look at like who owes what to who. You're like, we owe fifteen trillion dollars to China or whatever. And you're like, oh wait, but China owes that money to them. Oh wait, that country also owes money to China, but they owe money to us as well. And then we, and it's like, can we just let it all like disappear off the balance books can we just cut it and just say okay 
We all owe stuff to each other. Let's Sounds just like call the it year of Jubilee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Do you get uh, anyone out there know what the year of Jubilee is? It, it is like, like, like that's 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 where we're going, really, because because eventually it becomes like, well, no, because they owe more than I do, and they owe less to that person than we owe, to, and it becomes this like graceless situation. Um, and the year of Jubilee wasn't about that. It wasn't about how much you owed. It was just simply no. We're we're calling this now. We're done with this system for this year, and and did they start it again? Yes. Um, yes. But but it was this beautiful picture. I would suggest like Jesus' system of grace that he talks through in regards to forgiveness is a permanent jubilee. It's it's like wow. taking that and it's living that system permanently. Um, now, of course, we'll never do that with world debt because well, we just won't. But um, and I I don't know if there's any record of the people of Israel. Actually doing Jubilee. Actually doing yeah. Jubilee. It's, it's sort of the heart of God on display, like laying it out as a system. Mm. But um, in our brokenness, we're too tied to the systems of the empire yeah. and systems of the world to actually relinquish these kinds of debts. Mm -hmm. But in precatory Psalms or praying and venting your honest heart to God yeah. and then trusting his wisdom, his grace, and his justice. Like uh -huh. he he does bring justice. Yeah. Even if it's just on the cross. Yeah. That's probably the best step we can take. And so Sam to go back to Samson with his like that that last piece was it's honesty, it's humility, and then it's handing over the jawbone before it's covered with other people's blood. Totally. Now the weird thing about the Samson story, like the heart like I'm I'm retconning his story a little bit. Because in a weird way, like he kills everyone and then sings a song. Like he's like, he's, he's like, yeah, he's like with a donkey's jawbone, I made donkeys out of them. Ha 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 ha. He used a different word than just donkeys too. He did. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and so there's this moment like where, where he's looking around and this piles of blood and he's like, ha 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 victory. Um, and yeah, I wonder whether that's realistic in the story. Like I wonder if it's possible after the moment of rage has subsided to not look around and be like, man, I just killed a thousand people. And I, and I would, I would work through that with students that went into like the Marine Corps. Um, I remember one student calling me like right as I was going to bed one night and he'd obviously been drinking and um, he just rambled for a little while. And then like out of nowhere, he just said, Alex, can you give me, something from the bible that says god can forgive me for taking another human's life um and, and you're like wow. oh man nay like why where have you been what's been going on where's your journey been because you don't know and even like back when he was a sniper he would say like i'm in all the places that you're not supposed to be like i'm you know i'm yeah. all over the place like mm. you kind of like almost no one it seems at least at first does the kind of thing samson does and then sings great songs about it yeah. There's there's usually somewhere um some sense of like oh this wasn't how it was supposed to be. There's an inevitable shattering of the soul that takes place when anger is expressed to that level. Yeah, and, and and so when we when we vent at people, when we explode, when we cut someone down, when we say the thing that we've been planning to say for ages uh, and we just like no, we know this is going to cut them to the core. I'm going to win the argument with this word. It seems inevitably there's some sense of like what did I do? Yeah. Well, 
I have more questions and maybe we'll get to them, but we actually have some live oh, yeah, questions. Yeah, 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 so yeah, I feel like yeah, we should ask, we should set doing. a precedent here yeah, yeah, and encourage this, like, this. So we actually have a couple different things going on here. Maybe more people and then, will watch and then maybe live we'll get back to my questions, yeah, yeah. which actually I care about. No, I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Jan is uh, watching. She's, she's kind of become one of our, our hmm. big fans and oh, stuff. She talks to us I'm every weekend. I'm a big fan. Who isn't? Yeah. Who isn't Jan Costa's big fan? Anyway, uh, she said, how do you fend off anger that you can see coming at you? How do you let go of the hurt that still exists even after an apology? So this is less, how do we deal with our own anger? And if the question starts to turn, well, okay, what if I'm not even angry? Someone's attacking me in anger. Mm. And then how do we And I'm intrigued, go? and if she's watching, I would love a clarification on that question because I'm intrigued <laughs> as to when she says the hurt that still exists... Oh, actually, no. She says, how do you let go? So, like, it's not about them still being angry in, in a flip of the situation. Totally. It's about that, like, no, that sense of, like, no, I'm I'm, I'm still, this hasn't done it for me. Yeah, I was, I was just, I think that there's an interesting, um, I think the scriptures answer this question in a very counterintuitive way. Um, and a very difficult, mm. maybe hard mm. to hear answer to this question. Um, it's, uh, it's basically to pray for your enemies. Mm. It's that idea, which is exactly what Jesus models. Because here's the deal: um, if if someone attacks you in anger, and this is the story of Samson in a nutshell, like. Samson does something or the, or actually the Philistines do something to Samson. He rises up and does something to them. He, they rise up, do something to him. And it's this cyclical sort of situation. And who comes out looking like they've risen above this? No one. Mm -hmm. So when someone evil attacks you and then you reciprocate, what's that make you? Mm. It makes you them. Mm. So the only way to not be them yeah. Is to actually break the cycle by doing something so counterintuitive, which is to do unto others as you would want them to do to you, which is, I know how ridiculously difficult that is yeah. um, to say. And it's something that I don't often do, but there's been moments where it's crazy how powerful that can be. Yeah. And um, I, I was just listening to a sermon series on this exact subject and I was like, Wow, that uh, if you want the sermon series, it's uh, it's Andy Stanley preached a sermon series. I think this title of the series is like how to deal with mean people or something like mean people and how to deal with them. Wow, and it's so it's, and that's what I love about understanding the practicalness of like you know this is what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the felt need of mean people. Yeah, and he, he he basically addresses your question exactly. Um, and this is the conclusion he comes to. And he tells multiple stories about it. So he's going to do a way better job. I, lo I love our, uh, our counterintuitive church that sh that's like, you should listen to this sermon series from another church. <laughs> totally. Until and, Alex gets a chance yeah, to yeah, preach to, on it and then listen to him. Coming next week, mean people. <laughs> <laughs> a series coming to you. Uh, so I, I, and I think I sympathize with where that question comes from. Like I was Elon Musk, who I think is a character we both find intriguing. 
Um, and I think during this whole last couple of years, I've both come to like him more and like him less in a mm. weird way. Like there's times where I'm like, I love that you're asking these questions. And there's times where I'm like, okay, you got a bit weird during COVID and everything. But, but he actually had a thing the other day where he talked about the, the, the mechanism in our brain that is fight or flight. And I can't remember the exact term he used, um, but he said, no, no, this thing is so strong. It's like, it's what makes the idea of turn the other cheek so incredible. Like it's almost biologically impossible to switch this thing off. Someone slaps you, you want to slap them back or you want to run away. But to stand and not slap them back, it is like, it's just counterintuitive to every part of our physiology. Totally. Um, and so that's what Jesus says. Like, he's like, no, no, in that moment, you don't respond in the same way. And I often used to read him on the cross saying, Father, forgive them as him, like just saying, yeah, I feel like forgiving. Um, and and I, I feel like everything's fine. Mm-hmm. But in actual fact, as I got older, I'm like, no, no, maybe this is a prayer of, of choice. And the feelings aren't related to that. Like, I think we want to feel good towards them. And the feelings maybe are, in this way, some of the last things to develop. It's an intentional uh-huh. action. And it's it's hard to hear in some ways. Like one of the things, the, the, the theological questions I asked at one point was, is God asking us to do something that he doesn't do? Like, like the, there is, like, when we talk in church, we talk about coming to God and asking for forgiveness. He almost seems to ask us to go a step further and, and choose to forgive even when we haven't been asked for forgiveness. Like, he almost seems to ask us at times to take the first step, um, mm. which is then a choice, uh, not a feeling. It's a decision to say, no, I'm going to do this. Which isn't easy. I'm I'm trying to read the follow up question. Yeah, while I'm so still she, talking. She said, um, "The hurt that's still there, even though someone has said I'm sorry, but the pain of what they've called yeah, you is still there. So I, wow, you can pull out the nail, yeah, but the hole is still there, and that's and and that's actually an interesting language that you use there, Janet, because the nails there, like even talks about in Revelation." Yeah. Um, how you'll still see the scars mm-hmm. of the crucifixion. And that's exactly what Jesus does. Like in Romans five, it says that while we were enemies, Christ died for us. It's not like while we, we turned around and there he's like, all right, now I see you're serious. So now I'm going to die for your sin. No, like while we're running away and attacking him, mm-hmm. that's the moment when he died. And that's the model of this, this ludicrous kind of grace and mm. mercy in response to anger. Um, yeah. And yes, the scars still don't go away. Not they even don't know. And that, that's that like that. I mean, all, all that can mean is that like, we have to allow ourselves time to heal. We have to give ourselves that soul care and recognize that that's not going to be like a, a feeling that, that just appears overnight. Um, uh, and that, that it gives us this caution. I I used to do this illustration with students around words and and she, Jen specifically talks about words, which are so creative in us. Like someone says something, you can't take that back. You can't unhear it. Um, I used to do this illustration when I used to work with students where I would give them this big, like piece of pottery 
I think I, you told this yeah, story I did, last like, week. Yeah, maybe I did. Yeah, maybe maybe I did. Was it in the... What, what did we talk tell about? Tell it anyway, week? because I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm I've not heard sure you now. tell it, yeah, but I can't remember it was this setting. Maybe it was in one of our other meetings, but I, I would mm-hmm. let them smash this part uh, and then make them try and put it back together. Like, they get the joy of doing that thing of, like, the sledgehammer comes up and boom, this thing explodes into pieces. And then they have to do the hard work that, that if I let them go all the way to completion, I mean, it's basically an impossible task, but it's certainly an hours and hours of work task. And I would always say, like, that's the word. The word can destroy. Um, and, and to put it back together is like, it's like gossip, like a great illustration of gossip is like what it is to like, you take a feather pillow and you slash it with a knife and you like, let it go everywhere. And, and the thing that you say is the knife strike. But the result is almost like you can't you can't stop it once it's going. Like the the feathers are now You're everywhere. You're not gonna get those feathers back. You in can't. There. You can't. Yeah. Um, and that's the brokenness of the world. And yeah, I mean, I guess the the fuller answer is like, yeah, it's a long journey. It may involve some counseling. It may involve, but the scars. Like even if you were to assemble the pot again, mm. and there's actually this beautiful art. I can't remember what the kintsugi. Name of it. Wow, like. Oh, this is so, so I used it as a sermon illustration yeah. and it was one of those sad moments where I genuinely believed I'd come up with something super original and poignant. And then like over the course of the next five years, you find like 50 other pastors have used this as illustrations. Yeah, so like, this just... art form is basically a shattered like uh, China dish or something. Uh-huh. And then they they bring those pieces back together and mend it with they gold. They mix gold dust into a lacquer and they, they, uh, they use that. And so the beautiful image of it is this. It's the plate that is rebuilt is more valuable than the plate that was broken and more beautiful than the plate that was broken and more unique than the plate that was broken. So yeah, I was like, oh man, this is going to be amazing. And it was a great illustration, but I was like, it's not as original as I thought. Yeah. But I think that the point is if you retaliate, you become the very thing that that hurt you. Mm to them if you like the only way to not become like if you like this this illustration from the is actually from the sermon series i was telling you about if you if you become have a mean person do something to you and then you just start to dream about ways you can commit vengeance you become the mean person yeah and so they actually have crazy uh, more power over your life Mm -hmm. Because they're taking who you are and they're shifting it to be closer to who they are. And I think I think what's super hard about Jan, and I don't know the specific circumstances, yeah. of course, but but sometimes when something's said to us, even after the apology has been made, like the thing that keeps coming back to us is, did they really mean it? Even though they said sorry, like is the thing it was when they said that, was it true for them? Do they really think that about me? Uh, and then the question that often follows on from that, is it true about me? So when you meet someone who's been told that they're ugly, then the 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 question is like, do they really think I'm ugly? Even though they said, sorry, I was just mad. I was just joking. And then the question becomes, why am I really? When someone calls you stupid, um, the, the question becomes like, do they really think that? Maybe I am. Uh, and there's all these psychological stories of people who spend years in counseling because they believe that they're actually, that they are stupid people because a, a parent called them stupid when they were a kid. And it just like, it just stuck. Totally. Um, so that's some of the hard and part. let's say they did mean it. 
Yeah. But so someone someone says something something to you when you're in elementary school, and it it changes the trajectory of the your entire life. Yeah. And then years later, they apologize. Yeah. The trajectory of your life doesn't change. It doesn't. No. It, and it and might. It may, you might. It might be a step towards healing. Yes. But you missed out on this opportunity because of the Absolutely. fear that you had because of the comment they made and like. Yeah, it's, this is, so go back and listen to the shame talk because yeah. that's actually part of how shame weasels its way into our lives. I, we do have actually have another question here and I want to wrap up the show fairly soon, but let's make sure. You don't want to go YouTube, into hour two again? No. Um, uh, over on YouTube, Brenna asks, could there be a third type? I vent, but I'm all, uh, but I'm also working. Sorry, I have to talk into a mic and get closer to the screen so I can read it. Uh, but I'm also working on ha handing it over instead of dragging it with me. Yeah. So I think, yeah, in one sense, I think we already answered that partially. There is three types that we talked about. There's like a vent, there's mm -hmm. a suppress, and then there's the handing over type. I don't know if that answers your question, Brenna. Um, that is the third time. But it feels it feels like almost like for for this for in this conversation, it's almost like in a heartbreaking way, it feels like you're having the worst of both situations because you're like, no, I vented. The venting didn't do what I wanted to do. So now I'm gonna stuff it deep and just hold it inside. And then I'm trying to hand it up like it's like I've been through. But I wonder how many people feel like they go through multiple stages. Like I I have noticed the number of times I'm annoyed about something. And I'll go to someone, and this usually happens, I think, with Laura and I. Like, because she she will say, like, well, I'm, I'm sorry for how that affected you. And I'm like, but I said something, and now I want to say more, though. Like, I don't want the apology right now. I want to, I want to say everything that I'm feeling. And quite often, like, we'll say something. And, and let me just clarify, like, Laura has much more right usually to get mad at me than I would at her. But, like, just in those moments from my personal perspective, there, there are those moments where I'm like, I feel like I said something. And the sorry came and the sorry has almost cut me off in my tracks. And now like, I feel like I'm going to have to stuff it deep. Um, and again, that's coming from someone who's not good at expressing their needs and their, um, their annoyance in a situation or any of those things yeah. without becoming like, just weirdly like grumpy. Um, yeah. So, so I think that, that like, I can sympathize with that. Like that's almost like a, a mixture of all three of them. And I think another uh, element, so um, this this is a lesson I've observed my wife does really well at this. Um, and it's part of that same prayer exercise is one, it's like handing the weapon of justice in your case, mm -hmm. the, the way you described it was this jawbone, giving it to God and saying, you deal with them. Mm -hmm. So that's one sort of like, Okay, I trust it in your hands. But then also there is something cathartic and necessary, which is what you're alluding at, of like getting it all out mm -hmm. and expressing it. And um, my wife does a really good job of praying those kind of prayers and and then reminding herself in her journal, God knows. Mm -hmm. God sees. And he I I'm vented. To him, pages after pages of hurt or whatever it may be. Um, and then she goes back through and says, he knows about this issue that I yeah. vented about, this thing, this thing, this, this thing. There's probably no one in the world who's willing to sit here and hear the entire expanse 
of Absolutely. all of the emotions I'm feeling, except for God hears it all. And he even knows the nuances that I haven't even picked up on in my own life. And one of the There's something powerful like about a, being a, able to a do fascinating that. story that ties in so much of this outside of the Bible is that the uh, Alexander Dumas, that Count of Monte Cristo, it's a young guy, 19 years old, on the cusp of everything he wants. He's going to be a captain of a ship. He's finally going to be fairly affluent. He has this beautiful fiance. He's going to marry. Everything is coming together for him. He's just joyous. And then it's all snatched away and he spends the next 14 years in prison. Hmm. Uh, and he writes on the wall, uh, God will give me justice. And it begins as like scratchings on the wall. And by the time he's been through 14 years, it's like these deeply, like it's deep, like gashes in the wall. God will give me justice. God will give me justice. God will give me justice. And then the story goes on that he, he, is, he escapes, finds fabulous wealth, that someone has shared the location of with him in prison and takes out his revenge in all of these incredible creative ways, lives out like the Psalms. If you could control it, he lives out what it is to make the people suffer till the last moment and then to have them killed or to whatever. To, to, uh, and then like at the end he's like, this was all a mistake. Like this, this was a bad move. This has not got me where I wanted to go. Um, it, it is that, like you're right, it's that picture of like, he kept writing, God will give me justice. And yet the moment it was possible for him to take justice into his own hands, he did it. And and it wasn't worth it. Yeah. Um, so so I, th I think for us, like there is a surrender of justice that we have to ask God to help us to come to mean. Because I think sometimes for us, our prayer of God knows and... I'm going to hand justice over to him is just based on the fact that we can't get our own justice. Uh, yeah. And you all, you, in order to, to give justice to God, you have to believe that he actually mm -hmm. will bring yeah. it. And that, that takes an amount of trust knowing God's character. Um, and we tend to want justice a little bit more violently than God would bring it about. Um, and a bit sooner and sooner and all of those things. But if you start to get to the place where you trust the personality, the character of God, and then you start to see the ways that he disseminates justice or mm -hmm. in the world, and you're like, oh yeah, mm -hmm. like he will bring justice. And maybe it's difficult, maybe for some of you, it's hard to think of the cross as truly justice against the enemy. Um, so maybe that's part of the reason why it's so hard to relinquish. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like justice if Jesus dies for that mm -hmm. thing. But there are times when he steps in and brings justice more directly. Um, yeah, anyway, hmm. that's opening another Pandora's Man, box. Man, we could, we could open many Pandora's boxes from... Yeah, it's this is a heavy subject and hard to. And this week we get to talk about sadness on Sunday, which has interrelation. Like, I mean, like right, like just even looking at Kane's story that we did briefly totally, on Sunday. Yeah. Are you angry? Are you sad? Are you both? Do you know? And I think that's some of our like language at times. Like, and, uh, and there's pure sadness and there's grief and how do they interact with each other? There's depression. How does that interact? I mean, there's so many questions around sadness. Totally. Um, Maybe I'll leave you uh, leave you all with one quick thought, sort of a pastoral thought for um, more like an immediate 
what do I do with my feelings of mm-hmm. anger? Because we've talked about this midweek, like anger is probably one of the more palpable emotions because it has such a physiological response. Mm-hmm. Like for most of us, we have like a clenching of fists. Like there's a feeling that washes over your physical body when you feel angry. Mm-hmm. But Alex also talked about this in the sermon, anger is usually a byproduct emotion. Mm-hmm. There's usually sadness underneath mm-hmm. it, which we're gonna talk about this coming week. Or fear There's underneath fear it. underneath yeah. it. There's shame underneath it. The story of uh, Joseph's brothers who uh, attack him, it's, um, it's envy underneath. and jealousy underneath it. And so anger, that physiological response is like a warning bell that there's a different emotion. So maybe... Think about that for a moment. For me, I grit my teeth. When I'm angry, I do this thing and I mm-hmm. want to just like punch something. Mm-hmm. So may, maybe take a moment, process how your body responds yeah. to anger and then say, by the way, that's not what I'm actually I feeling. Think that's, and that's always like to give a, a, an actual illustration of that really quick. Like I remember this time I was turned down for a job um, mm. and and I was super angry about it. And then when I looked underneath the surface, what was really the problem? Was it anger? Yes. But it was actually fear. It was actually fear that what if they're right about me? And what about if all the things that I think I would like to do, I won't get to do because nobody else sees in me what I think I see in me. Um, yeah. See, that's so perceptive. And, yeah. and, 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 and so actually to go back to, to whatever those emotions are and say, what is underneath and what is the fear? And then what do the people that matter most to me say about me? What does God say about me? And ultimately like the things that I was worried I wouldn't get to do, was I attaching too much to them in the first place? Mm. Was I creating values that didn't actually matter? Um, those are all like extra questions that go beyond that. Yeah, so anger is actually an invitation. It is an invitation to ask a load of questions. So when that wash, that physiological response washes over you, let it be this physical invitation to a deeper conversation with God. What's up with this? And by the time you've asked all those questions, your enemy will be so far away. You won't be able to do anything anyway. Yeah, but I think if you don't take it that way and you just leave it at that surface emotion, there's something underneath that Mm -hmm. and that's what a counselor can help you get to like if this is a journey you're not but a deeper more mature human being as they get better and more acquainted with their emotional world takes an emotion like anger and they do go below the surface and they ask the question like no i'm actually afraid Mm -hmm. that maybe my identity isn't what i thought it was Mm -hmm. And then you can you can actually address that one. And if you are, what's part God of, think about me? What's yeah. what do other people think about me? Are they right or are they wrong? But if it's just anger, you're like, I have three options. I can vent it out. Uh-huh. I can suppress it. Yeah. I can give it to God. Yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, but yeah. if you get down below, there's way more access to healing mm-hmm. underneath the surface. Absolutely. And we, if you're part of South, we have loads of people in the church community that are gifted counselors in different areas. Totally that we would love to help connect you with if that's a journey you want to go on. Um, yeah. Love it. Awesome. Well, if this was helpful to you, please like, share. Um, if We appreciate it if you share the show with uh, with folks and all of that. And I've said all the obligatory YouTube-y, YouTube-y podcast YouTube, Sign up, sign up, subscribe. Subscribe. Like. Yeah. We should say that at the start before we've rambled for so long. 
that people are like, Do you know what? I only had 20 minutes and it's now like an hour. <laughs> totally. Uh, <laughs> I was going to try and make this one less than 45 minutes, but it was just. But I talk too much. No, well, but look, you got a comment. Alex, exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. You nailed it. You nailed it. I don't know um, which thing you said that know, nailed it, something, but yeah. something Alex said was exactly right. Um, and I <laughs> am now going to go and learn the lyrics to my song for volunteer appreciation. Ooh, sneak preview. What will that Alex be? Who be knows? All right. It's great to see you guys. I got to find, I'm going to ramble for a second while I find how to shut off the stream. You should just see your whole Siri do this thing. I should. Um, I actually closed the window, so I'm gonna have to open the window. Uh, I could, I could, I could do some stand up. I could sing a song. I could tell a joke. Da, la, tell la, a joke. La, la, la. Live. Uh, Upcoming current. Wait, did it cut off? Because it's an hour. Yes. How long ago did it cut Maybe. off? Well, thanks again for listening, and we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you. We'd love to interact with you about this. So feel free to leave comments, questions, all that sort of thing, and we'll try our best to get back to you when we can. Have a great day.